Hello, everybody. And it is, of course, I, your great and wonderful host, David Dawson. And I'm here after a long, not even well-respected break, but just a long break, to bring back to you guys the Psych Ward Podcast, for those of you who are still listening. (laughs) Alright, but before I get today started, I do want to say that there are a couple like rapid developments going across going around across the world, such as the protest in Hong Kong. Basically, uh, the border for Hong Kong, because it was under, I believe, European influence, was erased, and it was to be reintegrated into the Chinese government. And obviously, the people of Hong Kong have a very large problem with that because China's kind of totalitarian. But that has obviously digressed to them killing their people in the streets. There's constant videos that are being funneled out of citizens by the dozens being shot at and gunned down by their own government. Leading on on that note, in Iran, as everyone knows, America's been hitting Iran with a lot of sanctions due to Iran's involvement in the Middle East. And the Iranian people have begun to protest because after a severe oil spike, basically like the, the price of the price of gas, I want to say at least at least quadrupled. Like it, it rose like exponentially. And the people are taken to the streets and they're chanting that the price of oil is too high. The poor are getting poorer. And again, their governments turn guns on them. There's at least 143 people dead. Um, for lack of, for lack of me not remember, I don't remember the exact cities that most of it was popping off in, but this is of course after because the world's basically just getting this information because there was an internet basically shut down and they like black out they black out black outed yeah they black outed that's not even a word is it <laughs> they uh they shut down the internet like countrywide or at least into a particularly large region and they're just getting it back online so we're really just seeing a lot of the film that's been captured of the people being killed, being shot at, protesting. And on top of that, the Iranian government isn't doing much to, you know, placate that because they're saying that if there's any any dissenters, any attackers, anyone that makes a transgression against them, they will they will respond with appropriate force. So, there's that in Chile, there's protests, there's it's gotten to the level that like protesters are literally using like high powered lasers to blind drones and blind. I I guess you could say I, I want to. I'm not sure of who 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 they're pro. I know they're protesting against their government, so I'll just say the the troops. They're they're blinding the troops with high powered lasers. Like it's really. I don't know. A lot of governments around the world are kind of like shaking up right now. There's a lot going on. There's the Trump impeachment process that we're going through. There's everything that's still going on with China and as Iran and uh, Chile, as I stated. It's just, I don't know. 
it's kind of a somber note to start everything. But today, I'm going to talk to you guys about another gigantic thing that's going on that no one knows about. <laughs> but, as we all know, the Amazon rainforest is home to... Uh, let me see. Because you know your boy got this pulled up already. Basically, we all know how in earlier in 2019, I want to say August... Yeah, it was around August that we got word that the Amazon was on fire. It was shortly, at least a couple months, maybe weeks after the Notre Dame, Notre Dame Cathedral, like, set on fire. And all that was going down, and billionaires and millionaires were played, like, pledging incredible amounts of money to have it restored and saved. But... As we know, in the Amazon, the Amazon is home to like, even though it only covers what can be seen as like less than 2% of the planet, it's home to over 50% of the world's species of plants and animals. It's one of the most diverse, like, and what's the word I'm looking for? Environments. One of the most, one of the most diverse ecosystems on the planet. Like, there's even talk of saying that it's, it's mainly a permaculture because there are incredibly like, hyper-dominant fruit-bearing trees all throughout the Amazon that are not native to what they'd be considered a region. Or at least they're not supposed to grow how they do in that abundance. So people of more, oh, like, of past eras continuously sculpted the Amazon. It was, I guess you could say the Amazon is basically, like, where man and nature coincided. Like, the people that lived in the Amazon had figured out how to live in the Amazon without destroying the Amazon. Which is leading me to the points of where I am today. And this is the devastation of the rainforest. The who's, the why's, the when's, and the how's. You know, everything we need to know. Or everything I can give you in the brief time that I'm going to be giving it to you. Because, you know, X going to give it to you. Terrible, I know. But Alright, let's see here. As we all know, like, as I said earlier, like, the rainforest is on fire. We all thought it was maybe, oh, it's a wildfire, or maybe it just caught a fire. No, guys, it's the Brazilian government. The Brazilian government is lighting the rainforest on fire, as they have done many a time. They are clearing massive sections of the rainforest, as they have done many a time. And today I'm going to explain all of that to you. Each year, more than 56,000 square miles of the natural rainforest. Not just the Amazon, just the natural rainforest all around it are lost each year. Each year, 56,000 square miles to deforestation. And this deforestation is linked almost directly towards urban and agricultural development in Brazil. Like, there's a constant demand because they clear out the land... The land is then inhabited by cattle ranchers. What do they feed their cattle with? They need a high-protein feed soil. I don't think I need to feed there, but high-protein high protein source. A high-protein high source feed for their cattle. And that's where stuff like soybeans comes into play. On top of that, the things that come out of the Amazon are like... Amazon and Brazil are the rubber trees there, so they produce latex, which is needed in 
thousands and thousands and thousands. Pretty much every day-to-day product you own needs rubber. Cocoa, Brazil nuts, all of that. But soybeans are used to feed the constantly growing domesticated animal population that springs from the government's own subsidized land that they have granted to the ranchers. Okay, so the way that this works is we all we all know about the Amazon. So how does it really start? Things that contribute to it were throughout history, the native people have lived in the Amazon and they've had their respective ways of har- harvesting latex or liquid rubber they've had their respective ways of harvesting that without damaging the environment and the process is really interesting from what i've seen of the research i've done on it they basically make carvings throughout the tree and it's almost like they create a natural funnel on the outside of the tree and the rubber comes out and they just collect it at the end where it drips out but The main thing is you can think of with the the growing demand for the cattle. Brazil's government is basically pitting it is is basically saying that they're giving up their natural wonder. And as an outsider, I guess I don't have like the most room to talk on this. I'm merely like I guess reporting and speculating on it. They're giving up their world wonder for more urban and agricultural development. Because, for example, in the 1970s, the Brazil government started this project called the Trans the Trans-Amazonian Highway. And what they did during this was they began clearing out like massive, and I mean massive, swaths of land, like tens of thousands of kilometers of just straight land. And what they did was they create they as the name suggests they started making a gigantic highway to bridge the urban areas of brazil into the rapidly developing agricultural areas and they paid people they moved people from the coast and they paid them to continuously like settle upon this land to become ranchers to become whatever they wanted now the big occurrence of this not big occurrence the big coincidence of this which isn't a fucking coincidence at all is that was indigenous people's land. Indigenous people's land that was granted to them by previous Brazil presidential leadership. Now, as I stated, each year over 56,000 square miles of natural forest are lost to deforestation. This has resulted in which is on the map of which is on the world map, which you can see in the country of Brazil, as though this has resulted in what's being known as the arc of deforestation. And the arc of deforestation basically expands from the Brazil coastal area, and it just continue. You can see it if you were to look at like a vegetative, not vegetative. You if you were to look at a vibrant map of Brazil that shows like how their vegetation goes you would see that from the coast where I guess cities like Rio de Janeiro or Sao Paulo are, you can see that continuously deforestation is basically like just making a huge sector, like a a growing arc, the arc of deforestation. That's really simple and I don't know why I'm explaining it so hard, but if you would see it, you would see why I'm explaining it so hard, I guess I could say. But we all know the need for the Amazon. As I stated, it contains over 50% of the world's plants and animals. 
but not everyone's big on conservation efforts. But here's another one. The Amazon produces 20% of the Earth's oxygen. Now, that is a very significant feat, but a lot of Earth's oxygen also gets produced by, like, coral, not coral, plant-based, plant, no, water-based plant life, like algae, coral, etc. And they also contribute to the amount of oxygen that we get every year. But the thing about if we continue deforestation on the Amazon is eventually the Amazon won't have, it won't be able to continue its own natural cycle. And this leads to a theory where basically it states that once it's reached a certain point of deforestation, it will, the rainforest won't become, it won't remain a sufficient, I guess, method for the earth to scrub carbon, carb, CO2, to, to scrub CO2 out of the atmosphere. And it will result in CO2 emissions gradually and continuously increasing even more and more and more, contributing to climate change. But in even retrospect, even without the threat to climate change, like as we continue deforestation, the ecosystems that are all a part of the Amazon and the rainforest around it are going to continuously collapse. Like endangered animals such as the manatee or the giant river otter, or I can name probably an entire host of species that are endangered in the Amazon, but they're, they're at stake. Now, the Amazon story is, it starts basically in the 1800s, because for the longest, as I stated earlier, the people that lived in the areas, the indigenous people, the native people, well, I'll say indigenous because there's the urban native and indigenous natives, but the indigenous people, they harvested latex, they harvested tree nuts they harvested fruit and they made meager livings living off the land now flip over to the 1800s and you know just like pretty much everywhere else in the world european influence came a knocking and this brought what they would call the beginning of the rubber barons and what rubber barons were were basically just super rich european businessmen who brought their business to these impoverished people that needed it. I'm obviously being sarcastic because this went on from roughly like 1850 to 1910 where they literally moved waves of migrants from the coast to the rainforest. Like they they forcibly moved them. And the reason they did this is because they forced them to work. They made these people pay for the land, the tools, the food, and everything that they used while working. They made them pay for it. So the more that they worked, the more money they owed them. The more they worked, the harder they worked. The more money they would owe their boss. Low-key sounds like, mm, yeah, I'm not going into that, but it's a, it's a really perv- perverted form of slavery, damn near. Because the people were just living on their own. They didn't. You came in and you instituted your system on them just because you were a rich businessman from Europe. And again... Sounds a lot like slavery, but... And they did this. The rubber barons forced these people who became known as the rubber tuppers, or tubbers. Tubbers, tuppers. I'm not sure the correct pronunciation on it. I always get it kind of mixed up. But I believe it's tuppers, and that's where the name, like, tupperware comes from. But this continued for a good minute, like I said, from roughly the 1850s until 
the 1910s, but around around like the time in the 1870s, there was a insider, a uh, he was British, I think, British or some sort of some European, but his name is Henry Wickham, and Henry Wickham smuggled approximately or right around 70,000 rubber tree seeds out of the Amazon. And he sub- he smuggled them to the far e- the far colonies in East Asia, the far British colonies such as Indonesia, Malaysia, because you know Britain owned those areas, also India up until like I believe the sixties. And what that did is it literally tanked the Amazon rubber industry because now it wasn't an exclusive trade to the Amazon. However, lo and behold, after this happened, obviously. The rubber tuppers knew slight peace because they weren't getting worked as hard. Rubber demand tanked. Then World War II happened. And obviously this just spiked everything. Like, just just consider it. The, the need for weapon and rubbers, vehicles, tires, casings, everything need to assemble. Like, it led to the Brazil government starting a brutal campaign assembling tens of thousands of people. And again, they just reinstituted what they did, the exact same perverted form of slavery, making them work for making them work for working, making them pay you for working for work that you forced on them. But again, after the war tanked, stopped, it just completely fell off. Most rubber barons started to switch. They switched their businesses. They left. And the rubber tuppers in pretty good honest retrospective. They got to thrive for a little bit. You could say, i say they, for at least a decade. Yeah, for roughly a decade. From like, what what's right around 1966 to around the mid-70s. They knew. They knew a good time of peace. And... From this time of peace came a particular natural-born leader that will go on to make large strides in the world and bring the Amazon fight to the world stage. And that was Chico Mendez. Chico Mendez was a young rubber tupper that was under the employment of the rubber bands towards the end of when it happened. As it went on, Chico didn't really come to lead until I would say the 1970s and 80s when again once again a new vigor for the rainforest and its destruction had been reignited for like I said nearly a decade Chico and his people Chico and his people lived in just like as I've stated many indigenous people beforehand until Europeans started interfering they lived peacefully they harvested rubber sustainably, they harvested Brazil nuts sustainably, and they sold them off, making a meager living. Until roughly, I think it was 19, like, there, Brazil had a really tyrannical government from, like, 1964 to 1985, and that was the, what was it? I think it was the 3rd Brazilian Republic? They, they were a very fascist dictatorship. Well, let me, let me not... Yeah, I'll say fascist dictatorship, but they sought to use the Amazon for agricultural and economic development, opening it to ranchers, like I stated earlier, opening, taking over the large estates, oftenly 
the larger states often would just be where Rupper Tuppers had chose to stay after the barons had left, so they had been the ones to take it. And they started infringing on the indigenous lands that the Rubber Tuppers themselves had owned for years. And obviously violence escalated. Violence escalated to the point to where like ranchers started to hire like hired guns just for intimidation. They began setting fires to native areas to scare them and drive them out. Tuppers eventually like it gets really crazy, man, because Tuppers eventually started, like, I'm saying like a lot. <laughs> they eventually started forming these human barricades in the areas that they were fighting for conservation in. And I believe the pronunciation of that they call was Impaches or Impaches. But Chico and his family members obviously were at the forefront of these, leading them. In 1986... The Brazil government built roads and paid people to secure and develop the land. This is what I stated earlier, the Trans-Amazonian Highway. This led to obvious massive deforestation. By 1987, nearly 300,000 kilometers of the rainforest had been torn down. This prompts Chico. Chico starts to step out onto a world stage. In 1988, he met with the minister of Agrail to try and talk on these matters and bring it to the public eye. And it went on even further in 19, I think that was 87, or it was either 87 or 88, possibly the same year he met the Minister of Agrail. Chico gave a speech at a at the Global 500 conference with, he was roughly translated, but after this speech, it brought to the world to most developed nations what was exactly going on in the rainforest but obviously him speaking out against this did not really work out because in the same year in 1988 over 89 environmental activists had started being killed shiko himself had stated in a like documentary that he he had survived six attempts on his life so far and even going further to state that he would not stop because this is his sole moral commitment and his dedication and that he has to do it. This man was truly about getting this message out to the people. But that really didn't matter because days after he said this, days after his 41st, 44th birthday, Chico was assassinated by a duo pair of ranchers who were actually a father and son. Their land, like, the reason they did it was not just because, obviously, rah, rah, we hate the indigenous people. It's because their land had recently become a protect a protected area. So I'm guessing they lost their livelihoods and they targeted Chico. Now, in 2019... Brazil's well in 2019 and in the prior years of 2018 Brazil's government now more than ever pushes for more deforestation like and this is all taking place in the protected areas the, the current president president I believe his name is like Bolsonaro but I, th I think that's how you pronounce his name but he weakened their environmental agency which was Wait, what was the name of their environmental agency? Lack of better word here. 
FUNA. Yeah. FUNA. I'm not sure what the acronym stands for, but the environmental agency that their that a previous president, which was uh, Lula da Silva, had put in place to oversee and protect native and indigenous areas from, I guess what you could say is like damn near poaching and just illegal activity on their lands was FUNA. I did say that correctly, didn't I? No, FUNA. <laughs> but yes, FUNA. Under President Bolsonaro, he has significantly weakened FUNA's environment. The president before that significantly weakened FUNA's like environment agency, like defunding them, going as far as to just cut off funding entirely. And we all know that, obviously, when the fires took place in August... I see now it was August the 28th, like 2019. That's when we, that's when it broke news. But FUNA was responsible for responding to those fires. They're the people that respond to the fires. They're they're the people, obviously more people are supposed to respond to it, but they're the Environmental Protection Agency. 30,000 fires burned in the Amazon when that was happening. And... This brings me back to what I stated earlier, and the theory I stated earlier is the theory of the Amazon tipping point. Basically, I'm gonna explain it in more detail. Causing like what it causes the water, uh, it causes the water cycle to erode. Basically, meaning like the natural water cycle is in rains, evaporates, goes back up, comes back down. It causes that to evaporate, and that makes it unable to support the like because. The ecosystems in the rainforest are incredibly diverse and rich ecosystems. Like, to be able to support river otters in your ecosystem, like, you have to have a lot of fish. And a lot of fish in your ecosystem already shows that, like, you have a thriving, healthy ecosystem. Like, the streams are good. Streams are good. Vegetation's good. There's there's enough there for life to just explode. But as I stated earlier, this enhances the carbon dioxide carbon dioxide output that just complete that's just continuously being put into the atmosphere each year and this just rapidly lessens the amazon's natural effect of dissipating that now the net the native people that are losing their lands one of the groups i want to focus on is the uh caratania and in 1980 like, basically in the 80s, man, like, the Kairatani's land was, like, incredibly lush, naturally protected, surrounded by, like, nothing but lush rainforest. Now in 2019, it's literally the sole piece of lush forest, their protected area is the sole piece of lush forest, standing alone in, like, the middle of a giant, like, field, because farms have taken over. And... Brazil's government has done this to over 400 protective native areas. Like, just think about that. Over 400 protective native areas. Now, President Jair Bolsonaro even went on, like, this This is the level that this man is saying. This is, these, are, this, these are his exact words through direct translation. This is my decision. Unless I am obliged to do so, there will be no more indigenous reserves in Brazil What the what the fuck? Like I under 